Good morning, folks. I've got Assembly member and candidate for re-election, Wade Bryson. Hello. He is joined by Northwind architect Sean Boyley. Hello. Good morning. Okay. Now, I have seen you going on a bit of a city hall circuit talking to folks about the bond package for such a building, which is up to voters this year. And in today's program, the phones will be open to calls with... You can ask a question about the proposed hall if you call 586-1800. Give us a brief overview, Wade. What do you see as the objective with a new hall, and how much will it cost? All right. I'll try to give it my shortest elevator stump speech. Um, City Hall that we have now was created uh, 70 years ago, or it was uh, made into City Hall 70 years ago, when June only had 5,900 uh, citizens in its population. And as Juno grew, instead of like building a city hall for the future or improving that situation, uh, we rented uh, and we rent to $827,000 a year and rising yearly uh, in space because we need more space than our current city hall holds. It's so old and it needs so much work. Um, we can't paint without repairing stucco you can't do stucco without repairing the windows you can't do the repairs without uh, and so the next and so on so um we were tasked as city hall made its way up the six-year cip list to have a a solution to what do we do for city hall moving forward took a survey or we put a survey out 1326 junoites responded to the survey and uh long life became the number one criteria so that we were solving this problem permanently and eliminating it and not kicking the can down the road um so so to 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 talk about that rental portion i'm not sure if everyone's on the same page in that regard how exactly does that work okay so we uh city hall is our building we don't pay rent for that 1600 or sixteen thousand square feet houses about one-third of city uh administration operations we rent in um the marine view apartments 24 apartments worth of space that will be converted back to apartments once we get out of there Uh, we have uh, cdd uh, public works and engineering uh, and a few other things over there Uh, so they're all in satellite properties satellite properties we have uh, cbj law is in uh, the sea alaska building with this beautiful probably very expensive waterfront office Uh, we're in the seadrome building and uh, goldbelt will be more than happy to uh, renovate that and do something else with the property so the properties we're in are kind of like waterfront ideal properties that should be able to convert it back into the private sector easily. And I've said it a whole bunch of times, it should be criminal to use city taxpayer money to pay rent that benefits a single landlord and doesn't provide a benefit, a long-term benefit to the city. So that's why I'm really against that. So uh, we took the public process on. We had uh, public testimony at Public Works where we gr- went from 52 sites. Uh, we looked anywhere from Auk Bay all the way to the Rock Dump. We looked at traditional office buildings and we looked outside the box like uh rebuilding a school or the state uh, or the Malaspina Ferry. Could we turn that into a city hall? I mean, so we looked at everything, turned over every rock, looked at the Walmart building extensively. Just, it wasn't practical to repurpose a building to do the purpose-built city hall. It became as expensive as just building city hall. And it didn't give, nothing gave the lifespan as a purpose-built building. And, uh, one of the advantages we have here is that we own the land. So all we have to do is 
build the building on it. All other processes were more expensive, more complicated. We'd have to either buy a piece of land and then look at what we could build or buy a building. There were very few that met the criteria and they ended up being as expensive and provided less life. And that's what got us to where we're, we developed 450 Whittier. Now, Sean, I want to bring you in since you're the architect here. What's, what's the difference between erecting a purpose-built building over a, say, repurposed building? What are some of the differences in that prop- proposition? Um, well, it's actually pretty straightforward. You know, repurposing a building is a great thing to do if it's a, if it's a parallel use. If it's, we don't look at the change of use for uh, for the the, the project, um, the building code drives uh, a lot of decisions that have to do with how far you have to take a renovation, and that change of use is what triggers a, a full compliance path with the the building code. So. If you have an office building, you're converting to an office building, eh, not a big deal. But if you have a, a retail building, you're converting to an office building or an industrial building, you're converting to an office building. All of a sudden, you're dealing with all the new current seismic codes versus the old seismic codes. Um, mechanical, electrical requirements change for ventilation and, and comfort. Um, we have uh, some requirements that any city project that expends over a certain value has to come into compliance with um, uh, a, a uh, environmental building um, certification, which is in, in our area is largely around energy conservation, but that does escalate the cost of construction at a certain extent, the upfront construction. The long-term return is there, but it's um, uh, it makes these decisions uh, when, when we're trying to look at uh, site selections and, and like uh, uh, kind of tough to swallow because it's a pretty big number up front. Well, you could join us right now if you call 586-1800. Now, at face value, what's what's the what's the in your experience with building buildings, have you done a city hall before or planned for one? So they're not the kind of thing that people do all the time. Right. Most cities in the nation have a city hall uh, that is already serving that community and is functional. In this particular instance, you know, our, our firm is based on doing public and civic type of projects. That's what we've been doing for the past 20 years here in Juneau, or almost 20 years. And, um, the, uh, and then my career in Alaska uh, started about 25 years ago. The, um, in this particular case, we decided that we needed more expertise in this specific, specific building type happy coincidences a former juno resident and former juno architect is a good friend of ours uh, and colleague is a civic design architect based out of portland and he recently stepped away from the larger companies that he worked with and was operating on his own so he's very efficient to bring him into the team and this is a guy that was lead designer for the new multnomah courthouse in downtown portland major civic facility like 12 12 or 14 stories uh, has courthouses. Basically, most of and more of what we would have in this facility. But what he also brings is a, a language of architecture uh, that is about what should a civic building be here. And it's not overstated. It's very much the product of what is uh, kind of representative government for the people. Um, you know, and efficiency is a part of it. So Efficiency? Yep. Yeah. Now, 
Wade, explain exactly what people will be deciding in October in relation to this bond package. Uh, the bond package is for $35 million. Uh, we've already taken $6.3 million and allocated that as a down payment. Um, so we're doing this res- as responsibly as a homeowner trying to purchase their their first home. I mean, we've just added two zeros to it, essentially. Um, we have a down payment. We have a real need. We're going to bring... Um, the the satellite offices under one roof so we'll have um not only the efficiencies but i was thinking of the benefits so when a citizen needs to deal with city hall right now if you have a complicated issue you might have to go to four buildings that's absurd um, we do this correctly at 450 Whittier. We have great customer uh, interface uh, because we're going to be able to design the building that way. We'll have adequate customer parking or citizen parking right in front of the entrance. So that way, when a citizen needs to go deal with a city issue, whether it be an assessor or a property tax or a CDD or a law question, you'll be able to go to one facility and have really good interface with the city staff that kind of do all these things for you. If you yes. don't mind me jumping in on that, um, as I was driving over here for this uh, this discussion, it, it just occurred to me that, you know, this there's a big push in our country now for a more compact, efficient government. And uh, in a way, this is what that looks like. You know, we are bringing all of these departments together. That changes the staffing matrix for the city in terms of how many people are required to interact in the same footprint instead of spread out around town. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think there is something to that that really hasn't been explored very far within the city because this is a concept design that level that we're at. And if we make the decision to move forward with this project, it's going to be a few years before people are moving into it. And so it goes through a design process where the programming requirements are, are discussed in more detail. And... Um, you know, it's 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 going to be really something that helps people work together better, and be that central point of access. And there would be more public process in the design of the building. So what the citizens want is we have because we're doing this purpose built, we'll actually be able to accommodate the citizen needs more because we're starting from a blank slate on design well as blank as sean has given us well so i i did want to take that up though the concept discussion since that's since there's been some concept photos drawn up for the building uh over at the juno chamber where you made some of your remarks you mentioned there's some flexibility the changed plans if the building uh, comes in more expensive I wanted to know, where does that stop, Ooh, do you think? See, I, I thought I presented at the, at the chamber that that's the cap. We can't go above that. We're not, oh, we, cannot. we cannot go above that. So we can't borrow more money than what the citizens approve for the bond. So we can't make it more expensive. The only thing we can do is bring the, the footprint in a little bit. Um, I believe the design maximizes the footprint on the piece of property so it's the maximum size uh, the the rendition is the maximum size that would be allowable under city code yep. one of the consequences is that it could be a little bit smaller as we discover some more of these efficiencies and uh, mm-hmm. tweak that we didn't want a 20 foot high ceiling in the chamber room but a a 16 foot ceiling might be appropriate in that environment 
Yeah, the um, then I'll then Wade's I'll, absolutely correct in that this is we're at the maximum developable footprint of that lot, and um, we're also at the maximum height for that lot. So we can't physically make the building builder with or building larger without some kind of variance, which the city is not really interested in, or uh, frankly, planning commission probably wouldn't support it. Um, so we can't overrun. That's yep. the brilliance of this. So to double to double check on this as well, the only assembly action aside from picking which location, the only assembly action that's been made is that six point three million, right? Uh, six point three million, but we had to take the bond uh, or the ballot. Uh, initiative and it had to go through the process as well we had to not only figure out because in public works we went through uh, the original 52 sites and then had a presentation about 21 of the sites and the assembly i think finally got to see the the top four options Um, so we not only had those discussions in the committee of the whole um but then we did take it through the official process uh, on the assembly to get it as a ballot initiative. But yes, uh, we did take the direct action of putting the 6.3 because if this bond uh, initiative fails, we have to put $12 million into a really old building that only buys about 20 or 25 years of life. And so we can spend... Uh, I'm not sure how we would come up with the rest of the money, but we would have to spend money on this. And then in 20 years, the next generation of Juno leaders would have to, we have this dilapidated city hall that we've been paying rent on half the stuff or two thirds of our operations. Mm. And so if we don't fix the problem permanently now, we will throw money at it. And then in the next generation, we'll have to deal with it because they'll have the same problem. This assembly's been really good. We haven't kicked any cans down the road. We've grabbed them, and we've put issues to bed. Well, Sean, I suppose this is... I suppose this is a different way I could ask this question. How flexible is this process up to this point? How far can we go before we say, okay, this is just concept, before we say, okay, this is now blueprint? Oh, so... How does that process work? I the, the evolution of a, of, a, of a building project is pretty straightforward. This is just the first step of getting public support for it, um, getting uh, an idea of what the cost is. We had a professional cost estimator run costs for building this building and the specific plan we developed for it, as well as uh, elevations, volumes, and quality of materials. Um, and what would happen from here is if, if this were to move forward with no significant design changes, We'd go straight into a schematic design, then design development and construction documents. And then after 12 months or so of, of, of design development, we would have a bid for construction. Um, and then you'd probably have about two years of construction for a project like this, given you know, where it's located. So that's the, the evolution of a project. As far as where you can uh, assert change to a plan, um, between now and schematic design is a really good time because you have a very well-developed concept that shows where everybody's going to be in the building as well as what, what it looks like volumetrically. You have uh, some good renderings that get the public temperature on the feel of the building, whether or not it's meeting what people's expectations are. Um, the, the, this process has invited public comment through a series of presentations as the, the concept was developing. And um, and I think that uh, you know we're there. We're at that point where... If there's feedback to be given, now is the time to get it. Of course, the biggest feedback is going to be whether people uh, support this during the uh, the election. 
And that's the question. But we'll go to a quick break. We'll be right back with more questions after. And we're back. I've got uh, Wade Bryson here, assembly member and candidate, and Sean Boyley with Northwind, Northwind Architects. Uh, Wade, what can be done with the current hall if the move were to pass? Uh, the most likely outcome would be sale of that piece of property. It's a waterfront, commercially zoned, um, you know, the city, to make it city hall, has certain requirements. As Sean mentioned, once you had a price tag, you have mandatory requirements because uh, one of the options that we've looked at is stay in the current city hall, maybe add a third floor, and it it just wasn't practical. Mm. You get a private developer that has a different set of rules that they have to operate by, um, you know, that, and then we have a different story. Uh, we're also in a housing crisis. One of the things that people list all the time and uh, one of the answers to a lot of Juno's problems is an increased housing market. So not only does this increase housing by the units that would be able to be freed up in the Marine View apartments, but then... I was hoping that the assembly could figure out a way to incentivize somebody to build apartments on that location uh, because then you're talking real world impacts to Juno's downtown. Uh, people want a reinvigorated downtown and putting more housing down there is one way to do that. Having a proper city hall that's all concentrated and you know only about a thousand yards away, it's not very far away from its current location. Um, man, it really will put a lot of life back into downtown after every after all the smoke settles, so to speak. So, do you, you would be interested in seeing perhaps housing or business move into that area? Then? Uh, apartments with the uh, commercial on the bottom is probably the most common. I mean, that would be the most reasonable thing. And right now, the assembly is trying to come up with every incentive that we can think of to help spur development. And so we have this beautiful piece of downtown commercial front. I bet you we could use that to incentivize somebody building the exact housing that we want in that location. I'd also add that, you know, that piece of property is really in a nice margin in the middle of our community. Mm. It's right on the edge of the core of downtown that stays vital and active all winter as well as being vital and active during our busy tourist season. We're seeing a pretty great rebound in that uh, sector as well. So I would think it would be pretty attractive to a developer to do something that incorporates both business occupancy and possibly housing as well. It could all be, you know, be occupancy. That's would be a taxpaying entity uh, back to our city as well as the sale of the property. So. Oh, so getting revenue back from it is possibly. Yeah, if a private developer got that downtown property, that would put it back on the property tax rolls. Wade, I've been with the station for about close to two years. and We're uh, glad to have you. <laughs> well, before, before you start there, <laughs> you, you've been working on this issue, and I've remembered multiple different meetings having to report on it. So now that it's on the ballot, what do you have to say up to this point? Um, so we knew this was coming. Um, I had been the chair of the Human Resources Committee. Uh, one of my uh, assembly colleagues mentioned to the mayor that I would probably be the best qualified person for the public works chair seat. Mayor agreed, appointed me to that position. And uh, th this project has been probably our main topic that we've spent the most time on. Second 
the only one that would be in second place would be the trash issue that we spend as much uh, time devoted mm-hmm. to talking to it. Um, the whole time, I n- it was never, are we going to do something or not? It was, we have a problem. What is the best solution? And so that was kind of how I've led this. What's going to get us a solution? And we turned over every rock. We really did. And we even looked at rocks that were thrown at us at the very end. Um, I want to say when the ballot initiative was introduced, we got a call from a large office building owner that uh, owns a building that state offices occupy right now. And we tried to, we even looked at that. Is this practical or not? And so we did look at everything. What we've ended up with here, I think is the absolute best value, best plan for the community because everything else was going to be more expensive, was going to be expensive. And everything else would have been half the life that a purpose-built building. And now we've put it in a really good location. It's right beside state government, tribal government, and we're just a shorter walk to federal government. We're right in the center of all the civic operations, uh, the Civic Center, Jack, the SLAM Project, JEDC is right there. The Paradovich Hall is right there. Zach Gordon. I mean, it is the hub of what is going to be a very vital, active part of downtown. Well, Mr. Bryson, I'm going to take that as your wrap up. So we're, we're done here today. We're out of time. But thank you all for tuning in as well. I'll be speaking with city manager Rory Watt tomorrow. So be sure to tune into that. And now this is Kevin Allen signing off.